0: Easter. Four days of outdoor adventures, work in the garage or doing stuff around the home or even in the garden. You gotta love that. Bring on the jobs and pile them up. 101 long weekend jobs ready to tackle. You could be in the outdoors, putting your four-wheel drive to the test, tearing down an internal war or maybe putting a new one up, or even repurposing an old wine barrel for an outdoor table. Whatever the task over Easter, Trojan Tools are up for the job. Trojan Tools. Quality tools at DIY prices, backed by a lifetime warranty. Available in-store or online at Bunnings Warehouse. Trojan. Tools built tough. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. Life is full of ups and downs. i found over the last few years talking to someone, especially a psychologist, has been a really helpful tool for me to make sense of my thoughts. I try to keep it a consistent part of my life because I love being proactive with my mental health. BetterHelp is the largest online therapy provider in the world. BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. If you're busy like everyone else these days, the good news is it's entirely online. BetterHelp is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash dill. That's betterhelp.com slash dill. B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash D-Y-L.
1: Maybe they know this about me, but I want them to really know this mm. about me. I don't get this stuff right. Like, I get it wrong more than I get it right. Like, you know, I press the snooze button still. I don't drink the green smoothie in the morning. I, you know, get cross with my kids. I, I don't get this stuff right all the time. And I think sometimes we put these people up, whether they're influencers or they're, you know, spiritual leaders or whoever, and we just think we could never be like them. And they know so much. And if only we were like them. But I don't get this stuff right. I'm, I'm more than a work in progress.
0: G'day guys, welcome back to the Dylan Friends Podcast. I am absolutely buzzing to deliver this chat to you and continue what's been a big, big start to the year. This week I'm joined by the one and only Emma Murray. Emma's an accredited mindfulness and meditation teacher, NLP master practitioner and clinical hypnotherapist with a bachelor degree in communications, majoring in psych. The high-performance mindfulness methodology, strategies, exercises, and daily practices help people to deliver best performance execution through advanced present moment awareness, improved emotional regulation, and enhanced focus sustainability. Emma is well known for the impact she's had in the AFL over the past decade, particularly with the Richmond Football Club. Emma's influence on the incredible success 10 at Punt Road cannot be underestimated with a host of players commending her mindfulness methodologies and practices to the point where she's commonly referred to in the media as a secret weapon. Emma has a remarkable story to tell both personally and professionally that has led her to where she is today and it was an absolute blessing to have her come in and share her journey. This chat had a massive impact on me. I absolutely loved it and I hope you do too. But before we get into the show, I need to thank some absolute superstars for their ongoing love and support as Patreon IliXX members. Charlie Hicks, Dylan Mitsopoulos, Lily Rosewall, Scott Davidson, Cooper Rice, Angus Benson, Carl Mold, Sasha Kenner, Mark Sheevan, Tom Daffy, Beth McClelland, and Tom Malikan. Thank you so much for your love and support. It means the world. See you in the Discord. Let's go. My name is Deborah, Dylan's mum. Welcome
1: to the Dylan Friends Podcast. Many ways, I've been waiting my whole life for this moment. Tears tears, 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 strength. I'm like, I run. She's yeah. like, everyone runs. I'm like, but does everyone go to Next. the Olympics? <laughs> They're sitting there meditating, going, "Oh my god, I think I'm meditating." How do this is I'm meditating? It's like, <laughs> I had a Wu Tang call. So I was like, "Yo, Dylan, thanks for getting us in." Just love it's it. it. Knuckle puck time. Yeah. It's like, it's
0: like, <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Emma Murray, welcome to the Dylan Friends Podcast. Sorry, this is a sign I'd made up oh, for you.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, that's thank you.
0: Very good one. Um, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Emma, um, it's an honestly, it's an honor to have you. I've been a massive, massive fan of your work um, externally for a long time. Obviously, we've never worked together. um, But Brandon Alice, I've had on the show as a close friend, Kane Lambert, who we're chatting off there, who is both um, a love of ours, uh, both those boys. And and they just speak so highly of the work that you've been able to do with them and all the other athletes um, in their life. And, And not just sporting, but holistically in their life. I think you've had a massive, massive impact. So thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Um, a little bit of an intro about yourself, I suppose. High performance mindfulness field, um, you're absolutely dominating in that at the moment and I don't want to embarrass you, but obviously there's, there's a lot of um, case studies of athletes and footy players that have worked with you in that field. Looking at that now, how does that feel? Do you think that it sits well? Is it something that you you think about often or are you just taking it day by day?
1: Well, I mean, that term, high performance mindfulness, that is a term, I guess, that I just sort of created because mindfulness isn't exactly what I do with these boys. Um, I learnt mindfulness very traditionally. Um, and when I started working with athletes, I felt um, really confused as how this practice that we call mindfulness, which is really about staying present and um, not attaching to the outcome and, you know, allowing yourself to sort of, um, I guess, relax or, or, you know, de-stress in that moment. I got. I was always really confused how you can get into that state of relax relaxation, you know, when you're driving a car at 300k an hour or you're in the middle of the MCG. And I didn't even know if that was the right state to be in. So high-performance mindfulness for me is taking – The concept of being present and the concept of holding your attention and focus in the moment yet also being able to bring your best strengths to that moment so I think just through working with some really amazing people I've learned off them as much as they've learned off me and and I like to say with my clients I've sort of created this thing that stands up under pressure and that's whether it's in the business world or the sports world or you know Academia that it stands up. So I don't feel like I've dominated it. I feel like me with these great people, with the Brandon Ellises and the Kane Lamberts and the Dusty Martins, that we've, you know, come up with this together.
0: I'm I'm so excited to to unpack it all because just saying that now, that's it's everything I love. And I think we were chatting off air before, but you were talking about your previous history in being an athlete yourself. And we were both saying that, you know, when we were playing sport, We wish we had someone like you to teach us then. Do you think sometimes you you are so related with all these athletes because you know all the feelings that they've had and probably the ones that aren't at the peak of their performance? You've been there?
1: Oh, that is spot on. Like one of the first footballers I worked with was Dave Asprey. And, um, you know, Dave had had one injury after another injury He'd stood on the stingray in recovery. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was like just one thing after the next. And I remember him walking one da- day and sitting down, and I just had to look at his eyes and go, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're feeling. I had that many injuries when I was an athlete. I went from one to another to the point where you get to, I don't even want to tell people I'm injured anymore. you I'm yeah. embarrassed. I'm so in a state of shame that I can't, you know, crack two games in a row. And so I can, because I wasn't a great athlete, um, like, you know, I played under 21 national level, but I wasn't, you don't know my name because I wasn't, um, you know, a Liz Ellis or Sherelle McMahon. And because of those failures and not quite being good enough, then I really relate to those feelings of failure and that feeling of fear and what do my coaches think and what do my teammates think. So I get it straight away. So when I'm talking to an athlete, particularly in that state of guided meditation and visualization, you know, our mind, um, the more we bring it to life, the more we create a scenario that our mind thinks is real, the more we can make changes at that subconscious level. So I think because of my own failures, I'm able to tap into those emotions and the, that feeling and and that picture a lot more um, realistically.
0: I think I, not that I'm at your level at all in this, but I'm so interested in it. And I think that that's why I connect with it so well too, because when you talk about these things and these feelings that people have, I was never being able to overcome that as a, pl- a pers- uh, sorry, as a player, but I've used it probably in the next phase and reap the benefits there um, in terms of being able to, everything i stuffed up as an athlete, I've just tried to use into my life. And I think they're so easy to just like, you know, we talk about sport, but it really, we're just talking about life because it's it's both.
1: Yeah. I mean, a really big concept, look, I've jumped straight into the podcast and I'm mm. throwing in, you know, a big concept here, but this big concept that I share with athletes, once they've been down the journey a little bit, not like session one, um, is that, you know, this concept of when we can sit in the, energy of everything works out perfectly for me like this is all happening the way it's supposed to happen you know Will Pekoski you've had ninth concussion we don't know why but your journey is supposed to look like this and it's you know Scott McLaughlin and I talk about all the time that the script has been written it's supposed to have the ups and downs and it's all on track When you sit in that space, the fear drops away, you know, the fear of why is this happening and, you know, I'm never going to debut and this, you know, if only I didn't do this. When you sit in this energy that this is exactly what my journey is supposed to look like, I don't understand why, then, you know, it all is okay and I look at my journey, which at the time as an athlete (laughs) – Oh my gosh, it was horrible. It was just all, all I remember of being an athlete was a rejection and failure and injury. And now I'm like, if only I had known that that was going to make me really good at what I do now, I wouldn't have been so stressed about it, would I? <laughs> so, yeah,
0: that's unbelievable. You no, know. nah, so good. So good. Um, we'll delve into that, I'm sure, throughout the show. Um, I'd love to go back though, into a bit of context in, in your journey. And as you said, there's things along the road that have got you to where you are now um, you finished up, uh, as an athlete. Um, is that, so you, you transitioned into a mindfulness
1: field? I actually more went into coaching, coaching. um, and multiple children. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I went into coaching and as a coach, I was really, um, fascinated that, you know, these athletes one day where they were really good. Then the next day were they, they were terrible and, fascinated by what conversations help them tap into their best. But I had a um, mentor in coaching and I was at her house one day and at the back of her bookshelf I found um, the book by Phil Jackson, Sacred Hoops. And um, I read it. I was only, you know, early 20s and I read this book and it was talking about um, how Chicago Bulls in the era of Michael Jordan, that they did more meditation than they did probably physical training and that then led me to go and study meditation. You know, everyone thought I was, what, 20-year-old? No one even knew the Especially word back mindfulness then, like, back then. Especially
0: back then. it's a new thing yeah, now. Yeah, even. yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I took my mother to my first. Uh, <laughs> 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 I, like, I went. you know, I'm in this house with this, like, 90-year-old woman learning this concept that I didn't even know what it was and dragged my mother along and... That just started me on a journey, um, all from that book. Yeah, that's
0: incredible. So through that, obviously, there's a lot of time passes. You get involved with Richmond and you're doing some work there. But I suppose if we go back to another Ben Crow analogy, a crucible moment that happens with within your family, if, if you're happy to talk about, because so I suppose through that, it's it's probably set up a lot of you know your mission today and a lot of the way that you've sort of think and and, and work and your goals um, today. It uh,
1: transpired. Yeah. Um, You know, after I had sort of studied the meditation, I went on to study a lot of other things and um, had started doing a little bit of work with athletes um, and other clients. But there was a moment, um, you know, beautiful summer's day early 2016 and, um, you know, my son, I have four children, so he was a couple of weeks shy of his 14th birthday. He went to the beach with a group of friends And um, jumped off the pier and he broke his C5, C6 vertebrae and sustained a spinal cord injury. So it left him quadriplegic with no feeling or movement from the chest or shoulders down. And, you know, that moment throws your entire family into a hurricane. It's it's something that you cannot even put words around because with spinal cord injury there is just so much to do. I, I remember this moment very clearly where... I was taken into a a little room with a a doctor and a psychologist. I don't even know where my husband was, and they said to me, Emma, the the grief of spinal cord injury is worse than death. It's going to stay with you for a lifetime. Um, this injury is going to cost you close to you know a million dollars a year, and it's not insured. And the reality is, is that you know people with spinal cord injury they don't get out of hospital in less than a year because the people on the outside are just not ready they don't have their house and carers and equipment and and you know it was in that moment that i really really remember thinking i need to you know bring my best to this moment i need to stand up i need to take action And at that point, I was holding on to mindfulness like it was a lifeline. Like I was holding on to meditation and and mindfulness. I I remember when Will was in a coma in ICU and I did walking meditation up and down that hallway for the entire night um, because I couldn't even sit in meditation, but but I could just feel my – I would just go, feel my feet, feel my hips, feel my shoulders. And the second I wasn't in that state of hardcore mindfulness – you know, I would just go to the most horrific places. So mindfulness was this absolute lifeline to me. It got me up, it kept me standing. But now all of a sudden we needed, <clears throat> you know, a house renovated, we need carers, we needed to get Will out of hospital. And, um, you know, so from that, and at, at the same time, I was going into Richmond Football Club. Um, I, I just sort of really started to to have the opportunity to work there. Um, prior to that I'd only worked with a couple of players and and so I would go into Richmond Football Club and I would start to see, you know, I'm trapped in this fear and, and this um, absolute shock and grief and these 20-year-olds, they're trapped in this fear of what if I'm not good enough, what if we fail again? we haven't won a premiership in 37 years, you know, we lost to North Melbourne in the elimination final, you know, just, and there's no measure on whose pain's worse or whose fear's worse. Like fear is fear and pain is pain. And, and I was just sort of observing all of this and, and watching what worked for me and what worked for the boys. And this is where this high-performance mindfulness came about, where it's not just about staying present. It's about being present but then be bringing your best despite the chaos – despite the pressure, despite the fear and, um, you know, so yeah, that was the moment that for me it really, you know, a lot of people teach mindset but I had to live mindset and teach mindset. Um, yeah, so it was, it was full on.
0: Oh, I can't imagine how, mm. how tough that would have been that period but in saying that as well, like if you didn't have mindfulness at that stage and had been taught that, like how much harder it even would have been. And I suppose even with this, and I'm not sure if this is correct, but chatting to one of the boys, Will's mental toughness and mindfulness in that area as well, he was doing this while he was in hospital with you?
1: Oh, you know, I don't know if it's a – look, Will, um, Will was a great athlete himself and Will has taught me more about this space than anyone. You know, I remember in the early days, this is a kid who's just turned 14. He's lost the ability to move and feel from the chest and shoulders down. And um when will you know jumped into the water, he nearly drowned because as soon as he hit the the sand you you' paralyzed and um you know he had a lot of nightmares in hospital and a lot of um, post-traumatic stress in hospital and he I remember him telling me one time, I said, "Well, you know, what do you do in that moment?" He said, I just feel the pillow under my head and I feel the mattress and I feel the sheets and I just tell myself that it's okay, I'm in the hospital. And it's like either you've been listening to me and I didn't realise or you are just, you know, innately know how to do this. And because here's the thing, this is is my challenge with meditation and mindfulness in the world, particularly in sporting clubs and businesses. When we go and we go, I'm going to, we're going to implement this mindfulness programme a lot of people are not looking for that. They're like, oh, I don't need that. And, you know, I, I, I don't want that. When survival requires it, it, you grip onto it differently. So what I say is that life is rugged for all of us. Like it is, it is truly rugged. And, you know, 2020, that's taken that level of ruggedness to another level. But for most of us, we're hanging out in this... Storm. So we go out each day, we get wet, we get, you know, drenched, we are pretty miserable, it's grey, it's cold, we come home, we wake up, we do it again the next day, and we do it over and over again. For some of us, we have a moment where that storm gets upgraded to a hurricane in an instant. That was spinal cord injury for us, you know, and all of a sudden when you're in a hurricane, you cannot do it day in, day out. You cannot get beaten around the head. And, you know, your survival requires you to get to the centre of the hurricane, which is that stillness. And in that centre of the hurricane, there is no wind, there is no storm. So I think watching Will and watching me and watching the family, when your survival depends on it, that's why we look at people and go, wow, how do they, you know – have cancer and they can find enough energy to run a whole foundation and do this and do that. When their backs are against a wall, it's because you know you have no choice. My worry, my my concern is for the people that live in this storm. And it's not bad enough to change, but they're certainly not really comfortable. Comfortable, yeah. but it's not bad enough to find that stillness in that centre.
0: I can't agree more, and I will chatting off here before about you know my sort of journey in that space as well. And sometimes when things get forced obviously there's different scales of how severe they are but it's nearly sometimes it just simplifies things in what's really important and what you need to do to get through that 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 moment
1: it's a massive thing that came out of spinal cord injury for me and it's such a great thing that I want people to hear When you are the mother of a kid with a spinal cord injury, who is going to judge you? Like who's really going to say she didn't bring brownies to the school (laughs) fate? You know, it's like, no, it's like, that's okay. You know, you don't have to do that. Um, If I turn up to school, drop off in slippers and that's okay. You know, she's got that going on. If if I, you know, don't come to a dinner, I pull out the last minute, no one is judging me. This freedom that came with releasing yourself from the judgment of other people was so smacked me in the face so much after spinal cord injury, that it was incredible. I never thought I was someone that lived my life worrying about what other people thought of me or fear of other people's opinions, as we call it. Um, But when it's taken away, oh my gosh, it's like how much of my life is ruled by I should do this, I have to do that, I better do this. What if they think this? What if I don't do that? And so this goes back to that, um, you know, the storm analogy, when it's not bad enough to go, yes, fuck it, maybe. I don't care what people um, think of me, then, you know, we're just constantly living, oh, I should, I have to, I better. And the freedom that comes with, no, I don't. I'm, I'm going to do this my way.
0: Is that then through high performance mindfulness, is that the end goal? Is that yes. what Absolutely. you know, meditation, um, visualization, is that what then you've then thought, okay, now I'm going to go to Richmond and with my other athletes and without the moment, but I'm going to give the perspective of that to then hopefully they can understand that this is what you should be really worrying about, not this.
1: Well, we get told a lot by what you should do, like stop worrying about other people, like just, you know, don't worry about them. And You know, uh, don't worry about losing and just relax when you kick um, for goal in front of 100,000 people. So we get told a lot of what to do, but we don't often get told how to do it. And so high performance mindfulness is really about recognising that we are wired at a biological level to go to the bad, to go to the dangerous. Like if I could give one piece of information to everyone, it's like your mind is wired to look at the shit and to replay the shit and to jump into, you know, the future and worry about what's going to happen. That is a survival wiring. It's not because you're weak. It's not because you have a mental illness. It's not because you're, you know, struggling. Your mind is wired to go there. And once we actually know that and then learn how to catch that. So get really good at knowing, well, what does it look like for me and feel like for me when I go to that stuff? Like I can tell you, I go very victim-orientated, you know, poor me. That's my choice of, you know, we call it our B game. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where I go. I go whingy, poor me, I don't have enough time, so much to do. I know that clearly. Knowing that, I then have half a chance of grabbing that, catching that, and then shifting out of it. But if you tell me, Emma, you know, stop complaining, don't be a victim, that makes me go into that more, right? Mm-hmm. But I have to actually have tools to know, well, how do I do that? All right, well, I can go to my breath. What the breath does is it cuts off that, you know, it changes the message going up to my mind. So now once I use that breath, now my mind is not in that danger, danger, danger mode so much. Okay, now that I've used that breath, what do I do now? I accept that, yeah, I do have a lot on and I I drop into this acceptance. Once I've dropped into this acceptance, then I can actually look at, well, how do I want to bring my best to this moment? So there's a step-by-step process of teaching these boys. And I, as I said right in the start, like they've taught me as much as I've taught them. Dusty Martin, you know, I remember clearly him really saying to me how much better he feels when he accepts, you know the the struggle or the challenge or the fear, and he accepts that he, can't always be a superstar and he accepts that he might not go you know make it right so then we really delved into acceptance let's look at it how do we sit in it what does that feel like do we breathe into it do we do it with our body do we do it with our mind so now we bring in the step of acceptance and so it's actually knowing how to get from that state into a state that enables you to bring your best it's not someone just saying I'll be mindful you know just suck it up and don't worry about it. It's actually knowing, well, yes, it's normal to be in that state. And how do I shift it?
0: Incredible. I want to start with one point though, that really just resonated with me. You said about mindfulness and your B game. Mm. So is, is that just ref- like, uh, your analogies here, but A game, B game, B game is when you're not in your prime, I'm assuming. So you were saying then like, you can, cause I fall into that trap too. It's like, I'm tired, why me? You know, I don't have enough time, but I've found, and I hope this is correct. Um,
1: Are you nervous?
0: I am a little bit. But when you practice mindfulness and you've got strategies in place, like you said, whether it's your breath or a trigger word or whatever that is, you're still going to have those B game moments, but if you've got those triggers, you just snap out of it quicker?
1: What we're talking about, so if we look at Richmond Football Club 2016, you know, the last game we lose by 100 points, we're 13th on the ladder. Um, you know, the not whole, <laughs> <not> <laughs> <eight>. <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, the the public are calling for the board to be sacked, the coach, the captain rebuild the whole thing. So from 16 to 2017, they didn't do any of that, but what they did was using that a game, b game analogy. Well, let's, how do we get more players in their a game quicker for longer? That's your gains, right? It's like, If you can get, be in your A game quicker and longer than you were the moment before, then that's where you find these performance gains. You don't have to get fitter, stronger, um, you know, do more practice. Most of these athletes, they're doing all the work. They are, you know, as fit as each other, as strong as each other. They've got their skills in place. Now we have to, as you say, get into that state you know, quicker and longer, and that's where you uncover, you know, 13th to Premiers mm-hmm. in one year. Now, that wasn't just my work. They have, you know, an incredible leadership consultant. We know about Dimmer and, um, you know, Trent's journey, and so the whole lot of that created an environment which enabled these boys to stay in their A game for longer.
0: Is yes, I've been at a club, two clubs of four and we've had the same things, okay? You know, we've had mindfulness coaches, we've had all these other things, but they haven't Necessarily worked like your program and Richard's program did. Do you know why that would be?
1: I have a theory. A theory, why. yeah,
0: because it'd be hard because you haven't not worked, so you don't know what doesn't. I yeah. suppose.
1: Well, yeah, no, I, I, I have been in places where it hasn't okay. worked, so I can see when it works and it doesn't work, and um, there are a few things. One, um, we had a coach who made a decision to really embrace it. So what we see in a lot of places is the coach, the administration, the the leadership, it's like, we're all fine. Like, we look at this, we're the captain, we're the coach, we run the club, so we've clearly got our stuff together. If you could go and fix them mm. down there, that would be really good. Yep. Um, but that wasn't how it worked at Richmond. So Dimmer and Koch, they embrace it. And so it, it comes from the top down. That's, that's the first thing. The second thing is, and this is the piece of gold, I think, what Richmond did better than any other place I've ever seen, like any other workplace I've ever seen, is they bring it, they have the courage to bring it into everything, every conversation, every review, every training session, every weights program. It fundamentally has this language around A game and B game and what we can control they change the way they review from just reviewing. You can't say to someone – so this whole concept of um, performance mindfulness is that we, all we can bring to the moment is our best and we, what we talk about is best executing in the moment. When we best execute a moment and when you accept that that's the best that you can bring, then great. That's not how it works in sport we you players bring your best and then the coach gets out the stat sheet and goes well your best wasn't good enough so could you do more please and so then that produces a lot of anxiety because it's like I don't know how to how do I do that motorsport is a classic for this when you have a driver who um you know they make a mistake on a corner so next corner they will always talk about I got to make up ground Well, how the fuck do you do that? Like, you you know, it's like I I would have that many fights with Scott McLaughlin, going, your best is your best. And if you've got, you know, a bit of time in your back pocket, then clearly you're not bringing your best. So if you let go of that corner and then you just concentrate on bringing your best to this corner, but that's not what they do. They hold on to that mistake they made, they overdrive, and then they put their car into the wall. Essentially, what Richmond have done is they had the courage – to let go of stats and um, outcomes, and focus on execution of the process, and and going there, there were games that we lost, and you go, well, that was best execution, so great. You know, I think it was. Um, uh, I feel like our backs have been against the wall against Geelong in a few finals, but not the most recent one, two thousand and. 18, 18, 19, 18, yeah. One of them. Yeah. Um, and Geelong were playing unbelievably. We come in at Oh, this is when Kotchen
0: did that um, crumbing goal and, like, spun. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was incredible. Right. Yeah, I remember this.
1: And and so you come in to the rooms and it's like, yep, they're really good. Mm. It's, it's like, yes. So what can we do to continue – you know, we're doing a really good job. So – you know, that's hard for coaches. They think they've got to motivate you and crack the whip and do everything to get more out of you when sometimes the best is all you can bring. So our attitude in that moment is keep bringing the best and trust that our best is good enough. And then that's when oppositions fall away and everything. You know, know, Scott McLaughlin and I've had so many conversations around sit in your best. Like if he ends up down the back in the grid, or Oscar Piastri last season was, you know, fifteenth off the grid. Had to win, or had to come like in the top. I'm terrible at remembering yeah. all that. Clearly, yeah, he had to he come had to do something. He had, he had to qualify. To do something, yeah, something to win the whole championship, right? And um, you know, my message to him was: you can't try and get third or whatever it was. You have to focus on best execution and trust that that's the best that you can do. Now, Oscar had the courage to say to his engineer, don't tell me where I'm sitting in the race. I don't want to know. That's taking my focus to outcome. I want to sit on what's the best I can do each lap, each corner, each straight. What is What process, what does it look like for me to best execute my process? And you hear him in the race coming up to the finishing line going, have I done enough? Because he was so committed to just sitting on best execution, knowing that the result would take care of themselves. And Richmond lived that in every part of their club where other people when the going's good yes we're mindful and it's all about doing your best when we lose we give you a kick up the ass and tell you you were not good enough and you need to do better so yeah that's a long. that's a really long answer no it it makes
0: complete sense and honestly that's I was probably not knowing the answer but I know exactly where you're coming from because I have been at places that is exactly that you know it's so easy to do things when things are going well
1: and, you know, I answer those questions really long-windedly because I I want anyone to hear this message because it doesn't matter if you are a tradie or you're in the workplace or you play local footy or local golf. When you start stepping out of this ridiculous focus on outcomes, i got to get that promotion, I have to do this, what if I don't do that? And you drop out of that fear of failure and you step into what does it look like for me to do my best in this moment? And, and what does it look like for me to best execute this conversation? You know, this swing on this golf club. doesn't matter what level you are. When you do that, oh gosh, it can be so freeing. Easter, four
0: days of outdoor adventures, work in the garage or doing stuff around the home or even in the garden. You've got to love that. Bring on the jobs and pile them up. 101 long weekend jobs ready to tackle. You could be in the outdoors, putting your four-wheel drive to the test, tearing down an internal war or maybe putting a new one up, or even repurposing an old wine barrel for an outdoor table. Whatever the task over Easter, Trojan Tools are up for the job. Trojan Tools. Quality tools at DIY prices backed by a lifetime warranty. Available in-store or online at Bunnings Warehouse. Trojan. Tools built tough. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. Life is full of ups and downs. i found over the last few years talking to someone, especially a psychologist, has been a really helpful tool for me to make sense of my thoughts. I try to keep it a consistent part of my life because I love being proactive with my mental health. BetterHelp is the largest online therapy provider in the world. BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. If you're busy like everyone else these days, the good news is it's entirely online. BetterHelp is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash dill. That's betterhelp.com slash dill. B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash dill, D-Y-L. Just on that, I was listening to a podcast last night you did with, um, I think it was Sharon Pearson, um, and... You told an, an awesome anecdote story and it really resonated with me. It was about um, someone that is, is broke and they're hoping to win Tats Lotto. And you also referred that to someone in business hoping to get a promotion or someone in sport that's injured and hoping to get better for finals. And it really resonated with me with the way you explained it because after that, I just it was like a fresh breath of air and it really simplified things.
1: Yeah, I use this one with my athletes a lot, particularly athletes who um, perhaps have coming back from injury, or they um, are playing their first AFL game, or they're moving from BFL to AFL. So here's the analogy. when um, Imagine that you really um, need money, and you buy a Tats Lotto ticket, and you're waiting for the numbers of that Tats Lotto ticket. You are waiting, just hoping and wishing and praying that you get those numbers, and that hoping and wishing and praying is laced with this incredible level of fear it's really like oh my god because what if i don't get if i don't win this tats lotto i can't pay my rent if i don't win this tats lotto you know i i I can't eat eat food you know put a meal on the table now imagine if you bought that same tats lotto ticket and someone tapped you on the shoulder and they said you know what you're going to win. I work for Tatsotto. I've seen the numbers. They come up. Your numbers come up. You're going to win. You don't have to worry about it. Now, waiting for those numbers, you're sitting in this energy of how good is this? This is amazing. Like, everything's great. Everything's going to be okay. And we think in life when we talk about thinking positively, so many athletes go into a race or a competition or a game or you go into a business meeting, hoping, wishing, praying it goes the way that you want to go, and you're thinking because you're not thinking negatively that it's okay, so you're like, oh, I really want this to go well. I hope this goes well. Oh, my gosh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm really excited. No, you're not excited. You're terrified, yeah. you know. You are sitting in a state of fear. Hoping, wishing, praying is sitting in a state of fear. Dreaming is, is fantasy, but when we create this whole vision that – it's all okay. Like I know I've done the work. I am prepared. I know how to bring my best foot forward. I know what my processes look like. No fear. I don't need it. It's all good. It's the best I can do. You know, Will Pekoski's debut, I sent a text message to Will and I said to him, you know, that you've done the work. You know that your processes stand up. You know that you are ready for this. You know that there is no ball that you will face or situation that you'll face that you haven't faced before. So you sit in an energy of everything's going to be okay because I'm ready. I've done the work. There is no fear in that. There is no fear in that debut because all you need to do is bring your best and you have solid processes around bringing your best. Simple as that.
0: With, I, I suppose, Will, because it's a, it's a massive story um, and an incredible story at the moment. And he's been through such a, you know, really challenging journey with, with concussion and, and everything that would go. There'd be more things that we would don't know about that's, that's in that story and what he's had to deal with. Are you able to talk about some of the things that you've worked with him on and, and how it's got to that level? Because I, I don't even know where you'd start with, with something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I always laugh with Will that he's a chronic oversharer and so he's <laughs> anything I say to you is out there, yeah. and um, which is what we love about Will. Um, but it's also what's challenged Will because – Will has had a lot of concussions and, you know, concussion is one of those things that you can't see. Did you get concussed?
0: Oh, I did, yeah. I've had a couple. I had delayed concussion once actually as well, which was pretty scary.
1: Yeah, and so, um, you know, we all know that a hammy takes how many weeks and it looks like this and it feels like that, but concussion is so different. And for Will, it's been so confusing over the years as to what is concussion versus what is feeling anxious versus what is performance versus what is mental health. So it's all like in this big bucket of stuff. Mm -hmm. And Will, as I said, is so authentic and so, you know, comfortable with being vulnerable. And so, which is his greatest strengths and why, you know, I think he's going to be an incredible leader in his sport. Um, but for a long time, Will didn't actually know what are these feelings. What are these things that are, are going on for me? And um, when I started working with Will, it was really you know unpicking all of that. What what is normal? What does it normally feel like for someone on a cricket field? What's normal anxiety versus not normal versus concussion? So there's a whole lot of stuff in there, and he's just worked through it, and now has a really good understanding of. What his mind is doing, what processes help his mind, and once you get that clarity, but you got to do the work, right? We a lot of people are happy to do the work in the gym with their body, and they're happy to listen to a couple of podcasters, but you podcast, but you've got to do the work, you've got to get some practices in your life. And we started with will breathing practice. Meditation was too full-on for him, so we we went back to a breathing practice and we got his breath under control. Then we've got his visualisation working. Then we've got his routines in place. You've got to do the work.
0: Can we talk through those steps and, I suppose, some of those strategies? Because there, the, it's so true when you said that, like, we'll go into the gym and get bigger and you can see results straight away. But with mindset, it's hard to see results straight away. I suppose it's repetition. It's building all these things. What are some of those, like, fundamental things that you will bring into, a say, a business, a, a, an athlete or a team to coach them on, there's breathing, mindfulness, meditation. What do those What are those like subcategories, and what do they look like?
1: The first thing that you have to do is you actually have to work on your self awareness. Um, we're going through life unconscious. We're having these thoughts, and we're having these feelings, and we're having these actions that are just happening on automatic pilot, which is great when we're cleaning our teeth. Not so great when we're you know drinking a bottle of wine at night, and you know eating a packet of Tim Tams and, you know, all on automatic pilot. So we're going through our life, you know, acting a particular way with no awareness as the thoughts and and feelings behind it. So I always start with self-awareness. So that's really trying to, as I said, know what it looks like and feels like and sounds like when you're not at your best and then trying to pay attention to it and catch it. And, And that's where we start. So we start with knowing what my not great looks like and what my best looks like. And then we go about... Little exercises around paying attention to that. So, once an athlete has more awareness, then we want to start to, you know, regulate our emotions. So, if there's a stimulus, which is, you know, my boss saying something to me, uh, that automatic reaction is how I'm living at the moment. But what we're trying to do is there's a stimulus, you know, your mother in law says something, your kid does something, and that there's this pause before you respond where you can get your stuff together. So, we then work on this regulating our emotions. And you know, to do that, we need some way to clean out all that stuff in our mind, clear it out, reset ourselves. And this is where the meditation or the mindfulness or the, the breath work comes in place. And here's my take on it. Meditation is like taking the rubbish out of your mind, but it is hard for people. We live in a really busy world with a lot of stimulus like people today process as much information as a day as previous generations you know processed in a year so our mind has this constant stimulus telling us we're not good enough we're not doing enough we need to do more and we this stress response is out of control and now we have the awareness around it we have the awareness that I'm in this stress response we have this awareness that I don't feel good and I'm, I'm not having the thoughts I need what do I do with that some people like Will, sitting down and meditating in that state is too hard. Our mind is going and we're in this hypervigilant state and that can stress us even more. And that's something – that's been a real observation of mine of people in that high-pressure, high-expectation environment. Sometimes meditation is too far a stretch. And they've got these apps and they're like, well, what the hell do I do with this? So we start with breath work. There's so much on YouTube about breath work. Uh, there's so many things. You know, I gave Will a little, you know, six-day course, online course to do. There's so much stuff out there on breath work.
0: And you've got a great one on your Instagram as well, Murray. Yes. it's uh, That's the one I found was best for me, to be honest. There's three there. Three, three four, four, five. Uh, four, four, four. And... Take five. Take five. So yeah. check them out, and we'll have the link in show notes for those. But sorry to interrupt. you. Yeah, going.
1: yeah. So... Um, Get some breath work into your life and, and, and we start with actually bringing it into your world when you wake up, you know, before you go into a meeting, multiple times a day. Think of it like I'm emptying out the rubbish. So breath work is a great place to start. Some people start with the mindfulness app like Headspace or Smiling Minds. What bugs me a bit about those is that people are like, well, I did my 10-minute meditation this morning, but I'm nervous going into this meeting. They can't correlate the two. Um, so, you know, it's, it's gotta be more than just an app doing a 10 minute meditation in that space. That's where we learn, you know, you've had Ben Crow in here in that gap. That's where you're trying to get a grip on acceptance and vulnerability and authenticity and owning your story and all of that stuff that people like Ben or, you know, Brene Brown or Simon Sinek talk about. It's really getting a good handle of that. And then the third component is really stepping into your best. So really what you mentioned earlier, having a trigger word, having trigger actions, having things that step you over into your best. So it's sort of like this three-part process. Build that awareness, get your shit together, and then step into your best.
0: So good. Love it. Um, There's so much information there for someone that – because my next question was I've got this friend named Billen, and he's a real handsome guy. He's he's actually turned 28 this year, so that's pretty exciting for him. And – he struggles with this sort of thing but i think what you've just explained then is so it's so simple in a way because there's not one way to do things i think that's the best thing about it like there's so many different breath techniques there's so many different ways of meditation you know the way i learned was way too full on it was two 20 minute meditations a day and from going from not even you know working a real job to then just like going home and doing that it was just like you do it for three days and you're like no nah, I can't do that anymore it's too, it's too much yeah it's yeah so working out what's best for you is is the best way to do it
1: yeah and you know for me I do a lot of my meditation when I'm walking on the beach mm. um, and I do a lot of meditation when I'm sitting in my car I arrived a couple of minutes early I'll do, do a meditation you know we, we get so rigid about this that then we just get fear of you know, more stress of like, well, what if I'm not doing it right? Am I doing it right? I'm not very really, good. I talk about people that are meditating who they're sitting there meditating going, oh my God, I think I'm meditating. How good is this? i meditating. It's like, no, you're not That's meditating. Me. <laughs> <was> me. <laughs> it's
0: like when I'm reading, I'm oh, I'm reading a book. I'm, what did I just fucking read? I can't remember it. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, because I love to educate people. I want them to understand we have one attention – One focus and it is designed to bugger off and look at other stuff and look at the bad and look at the dangerous. What you are trying to do with meditation or breath work or mindfulness is grab that attention and give it a job. Hey, can you check out my breath? Hey, can you check out my feet? Can you check out, you know, the sounds that I can hear? Hey, can you sit on this mantra? When we give that attention a job, then you're strengthening the muscle that is like grabbing it and bringing it back. So when you meditate, if it goes away and you grab it and bring it back a hundred times, it's just like doing a hundred bicep curls. So you're just strengthening your mind. You are not supposed to have no No thoughts. It's not supposed to be still. There is no right or wrong just by attempting to sit and, you know, feel your breath, stand at the beach. I stand at the beach so many times with my feet in the water I have my eyes on the the waves and I feel the water around my ankles. Meditation, just like that. You know, um, at Richmond once I did a thing with the boys. It was raining. We were supposed to go outside and and do this meditation, but we couldn't. So we stood at a window and we looked outside. And you had to just rest your eyes on – go and do this when, when you're next outside. Just rest your eyes on the environment. And just let your eyes see whatever pops up. So you might see, like, I just you know, saw someone moving and you might see the grass moving, a bird flying over, and you're just letting it come into your vision. You drop out of stress, like in a heartbeat. You could feel this whole team just drop. And then the second the rain um, stopped, I looked out the window and I saw all these boys out, you know, just outside because that feeling of just – dropping into that nothingness and dropping out of that stress is such a relief it doesn't have to be complicated
0: yeah yeah. you don't have to be sitting there yeah you know legs crossed no with incense i found that one um that i got taught early days it's actually starting to work now it didn't then but it does now is when you're in a room and it's pretty much exactly what you said then about looking for something but you try and find something in your bedroom or your lounge room that you've never seen before
1: yeah, right. Like
0: on your roof yeah, yeah. or you look and you like look for – you're like, yeah. oh, I didn't realise that was there. Or you count how many yeah.
1: things are on something and it's you – It's very like the palm yeah. one where you just stare at your palm and look at the lines on your hand and the colours absolutely just drop you into a state. So it's just giving that attention a job, right? Mm. Um, but here's the thing I want you to know. Like I remember we I had a couple of players at my house once who said to – my kids, oh, we were all talking the other day about how lucky you are to have her as a mum. Like, she's just so, <laughs> she's so calm and she's so amazing. They looked at them and said, are you kidding me? Like, you get her A game, we get her B game. I, I want to be really clear that you're going to get it wrong every day. Yep. You're going to get into your B game every single day, multiple times a day. You know, I, I am absolutely spent a lot of time in my B game. It's not about perfection. It's about just having enough awareness to grab it and shift out of it quicker. quicker. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yep. you're not going to stop it. We're human, right?
0: Hundred percent. I um, I, I I think I'm majority of the time do live in my B game, but it, it is like as a joke. You are trying to just bring that up, and hmm. the quicker you can snap back into it, and you yeah, realise yeah. you are, you're there. So, yeah. now nah, incredibly insightful, and I'm I'm super pumped to um to try some of those things. One thing I do want to talk about though, just to finish up this bit, is Something I saw with your um, bio and I didn't know this was honestly didn't know this was a thing. I experienced this at a Mad Monday once. We got a hypnotist in and I had a few brown cordials and they this guy tried to hypnotize me. I ended up just passing out. But you do this for elite sports people. How does that how does it work? Is that you know, actually
1: driving here I thought. I bet he's going to ask me about yeah. <laughs> hypnotism. And I am going to have to tell him I don't turn them into chickens. Okay. Um well that's good. Yeah, there's a very fine line between meditation and um, you know being hypnotized. So um, yeah, you know, yes, I learned uh, I'm qualified clinical hypnotherapist. So because of how we've been raised and our experiences, and you know your B game's different to my B game, and we can have self awareness of that B game, and we can catch ourselves and shift out of it, but. The more we can tidy up that B game, the less it's going to pull at us. So an athlete who's, you know, had a lot of hamstrings, for instance. So I first started working with Dylan Grimes when he had constant hamstrings. So his B game is like, what if my hammy goes? What if my hammy goes? You know, so whenever he – and that is at a subconscious level. That's not him consciously walking around thinking about it. If you said to Dylan Grimes, how's your hammy? It's great. I feel awesome. I've done the rehab. Everything's great. His subconscious mind, which it, the role of the subconscious mind is to keep us safe, is to protect us, it is going, no, yeah, he's I mean, not great. Every time you've gone on a lead and you've you know s- taken a stride, it's gone. I'm not going to let you do that. And so that B game, as much as we can recognize it and shift it out and shift out of it, when we're trying to be elite, there are things in there that keep us stuck in there that we don't even know. They're at a subconscious level. So what when you hypnotize someone, it is very s- the same process of putting them into meditation, but you're just using a word slightly different so that their conscious mind drifts away and you're talking straight to the subconscious mind. And so when you talk straight to the subconscious mind, you're literally saying, hey, it's, all c- it's okay, the hamstring is healed. This is why the hamstring's healed. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Thanks, you've done a really good job of stopping him from you know, striding out. But it's okay. It's safe for him to do that now. And then you will see pretty quickly ridiculous results.
0: Unbelievable. Mm. So cool. Um, I, I can totally understand that as well. Like back when I was playing, I had a, calf, like a lot of calf injuries. Mm, same. And it's a lot of the thing of, the thing is like, you nearly become the calf injury. You nearly become your injury like in yourself. You know, people always ask you about it. You pretend it's not there, but subconsciously it is.
1: Absolutely. Um, that's
0: yeah. That's really cool. I'm definitely going to look more into that. Emma Murray, um, you've been incredible. I just want to talk one more thing about, um, I suppose, your business venture you're on now. Is it? I don't know. Is it a bench? Is it a business venture? Is it more your holistic brand? I suppose high performance um, stuff. Like, what's your goals with that, and what's your goals moving forward?
1: Yeah, when uh, part of my journey, I went and learned mindfulness. You know, with hardcore monks and whatever else and and one of the things that they stress is that you have a responsibility to go out and share you know mindfulness and the more you share it with other people so hopefully with your listeners the more that they are going to start acting mindfully then they can share it with their family and whatnot so I I do am driven very much by you know spreading the word of mindfulness and yes I talk about high performance mindfulness but it's still got its roots in in mindfulness so you know on Instagram at the moment, um, you know I'm doing a 21 day daily habit where I'm giving people the high performance habits that I see work. A, a little video each day. That's at at high performance mindfulness. Now that you don't have to register, you don't have to pay. It's just get on there. That information will always be sitting on there.
0: Definitely get on there. Oh, I'm just to jump in. I'm on that 21 um, day reset challenge. It's actually pretty tough. There's a few that I'm really yeah. I've implemented, but a few I've really struggled with.
1: What have we um, struggled with?
0: Catch the crap, obviously, was a good one at the start. Writing down the breath one, I hadn't done before.
1: Okay, so How that are was you going with your breath.
0: Like seriously, yesterday helped me so much. Yeah. and it's it's one of those things though for me. Like we we're talking about before, and we've brought it up, and I hope this sticks because it's the biggest thing for mindfulness for me. Is you do it once a day, maybe and you forget but then the next day you do it again and then you remember so like the more times i do it i think i'm just going to keep remembering yeah, to do it so absolutely. it's like you catch yourself out quicker but i know it actually does work like it's, it's
1: phenomenal isn't it
0: and even the, the biggest part about that that you said was um i know now and i didn't know this before you're talking about it but i know now and i thought back to all the times when i'm really stressed and anxious i get my shoulders up really high like i mm. just sit like this yeah but then when you just, like, dropped them, I was just like, fuck, fuck. Yeah. Just that was nearly in itself. Yeah. So the breath Imagine was awesome. how
1: much better you would have played football had you not.
0: I think about that every day. That. You <laughs> could be talking about Dustin Martin and Dylan Buckley as your two biggest. That's that's the thing. So it's sad in a way. Yeah. But, you know, you we get. We lost a good one. We lost a good me. one on the way, <laughs> didn't we? <laughs> um, thinking, feeling, doing. Love that. Mm-hmm. Um, how you think is how you feel. And then that's what you do. Yep. Love that one. Um, This one I struggle with a lot. I put my alarm on. The alarm clock. Snooze. Yeah. Every morning. I put my alarm on, say I have to be here this morning. I'll put it on like an hour before I have to get up. So I always like to wake up, then lay for 15, snooze, think about sort of my day. But I think sometimes when I go to the gym really early and I just have to get up and go, I feel so much better. Yeah. So that's
1: one that I'm – Did you hear the signs behind that around the sleep cycles? No. In, in that video, I talked about the sleep cycles and that we're in these, um, when we press snooze, two hours before we wake up, we come out of those sleep cycles. We start preparing ourselves to wake up. And so when you press snooze, you go back into yes. a sleep cycle.
0: And you feel worse and when you, you get feel up. You worse yeah.
1: so when you get up. Yes. And then you tell yourself, oh, I need more sleep because I feel so crap. No, you just needed to get up instead of press the snooze button. However many times. 100%. And do you, be honest, do you scroll, do you get on yes, your- Yes, yeah. I
0: do. So that was my next one. That's the worst thing I do. So I snooze and I scroll. Yeah. So a big part of this challenge that you've put I'm out is- i a snoozer
1: and scroller. You are? Yeah. I, yeah. You were? Well- You're transitioning. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like me. Yeah.
0: I think that's the biggest thing is-
1: Like being an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> it's- um, it's hard. It is.
0: It is, seriously, because you get up and the first thing you do is it's habit. It's just yeah. like a bat, which this is, but resetting challenges, resetting habits. How
1: much have you convinced yourself that you need to scroll? Like, I'm like, I need to read the paper. Get, I,
0: no, but I just go, well, what if this person needs to talk to me and they've sent me a message on Instagram? Like, what if they, what if someone's on my send, like they've sent me this photo and, but you don't even think that, you just think that you have to yeah. sort of thing, so Again, that's a big one. They're my two, probably the hardest thing for me and my goals is to just, when my alarm goes off, get up and then write your intentions down or think yeah. your intentions for the day before you get on the phone. Yeah. Um, and when the morning obviously is a big one. Yeah. I've always been a massive winner of that. Like I think that when I get up in the morning before 7 or before at least 7.30, um, I just feel you've already ticked a box of yeah. the day furthering on that this is some advice for you okay thank you now i'm teaching you today oh, good i watched this video once i'm on making your bed
1: oh yeah have you
0: seen no you'd know already about this about but about well yeah. i'll leave this video in the show notes but it was about this guy in the army yep and he's saying you know he was like a marine and did all these things and he says the one thing i do every morning is i make my bed yeah because no matter how bad my day is no matter how good my day is And if I've accomplished nothing, at least I come home to a made bed and you start your day off with ticking one box.
1: Yeah. Do you want quickly the science around that? Please give it to me. So um, I make my bed, right? And so when I make my bed, that gives me, I think to myself, well, good, well done. I made my bed. And then that makes me feel like, you know, I've accomplished something. So I feel a bit light. I feel a bit energised. You know, I feel like, so the mental... The neural net that I'm running in my mind is one of, I, I'm i in control. I can do this. I, I know how, I'm the master of my day. And that feels a particular way. And off we go, we take that energy into our day. That is not what happens to humans. We wake up, we hit that snooze, already at a subconscious level, we're like, mm, Fuck, we're lazy. Yeah. We're, uh, you know, mm. I wasn't going to do that. God, I'm just, I haven't had enough sleep. Then we scroll, and we're like, oh, God, you know, I don't look as good in bikinis as that person. I'm, you know, I don't own that car. I'm, you know, oh, I've got to do this email. And that is the neural net we start running. We start running what I call a B-game loop. We're stuck in this B-game loop, and we go into our day in this B-game loop. So something as simple as, you know, making your bed or something as simple as getting out of bed when you press the snooze and not pressing the snooze button. You know what? Feel your feet on the floor. Just set that as your goal. I'm going to get at, I'm going to, as soon as the alarm goes off, I'm going to sit up, I'm going to feel my feet on the floor and take a breath. Already your mind goes, well done, good job. You're in control. You set yourself the intention of putting your feet on the floor and you did that, well done. Oh, but no, we think I need to do 20 minutes of meditation before I can remotely claim that I'm, you know, in control of my mindset. No, you don't. Do something very simple and, and, you know, there's BJ Fogg calls it tiny habits. Do a tiny habit and this tiny habit on, to the, on top of another tiny habit will start to shift, you know, how you think and how you feel and what you start to do.
0: Absolutely love it. Um, The, the Reset Challenge again is on your Instagram page. Yeah,
1: yeah, You know, the whole concept of this high performance mindfulness, you know, hopefully soon there will be an actual framework that you can do as like an online course. Yeah. Um,
0: when it happens when it
1: happens it's not right here right now that doesn't exist yes 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 it will <laughs> but, but you know my intention is that yeah
0: I'm sure it will happen and I'm sure it's going to be I'll be the first signer-upper of yep. that um that course what's something not many people know about you
1: maybe they know this about me but I want them to really know this mm. about me I don't get this stuff right uh, like I get it wrong more than I get it right like you know i press the snooze button still i don't drink the green smoothie in the morning i you know get cross my kids i i don't get this stuff right all the time and i think sometimes we put these people up whether they're influencers or they're you know spiritual leaders or whoever and we just think we could never be like them and they know so much and if only we were like them but you know i don't get this stuff right Love I'm, that. I'm more than a work in progress.
0: I think that's, you know, before we're chatting off air and, and you said that um, Will and some of his friends love the show and that they really love it. And that sometimes freaks me out a bit because I think, fuck, you know, like I'm like that too. You know, what you hear from one hour a week, that's one hour of my week. And, you know, I'm on my, that's my A game, hopefully. You know, I stuff shit up all the time and I try and make sure that, you know, I'm not perfect. No one, obviously there's people know that I'm not perfect because there's a lot of things that I've failed at, but... Um, I think, as you said, like there's so many people in, in sport and in business and when people stuff up, they act so surprised, but like, we can't be perfect.
1: No, no. And it's just sort of more what we do with those imperfections really is that we accept them and we embrace them and we just get back on the horse and try again the next day. But you know, I feel as useless at this stuff as most people
0: Yes, but I think that, that you – not that you would ever sell yourself short and you're not at all, but I think the best thing that you do is that you just keep going. Yeah. And that separates people, I think. It's not the fact that you do it, it's that you just keep going. Yeah. Um, it's grit. It's that book. Um, oh, yeah. I'm reading that book at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that's – I think that's like the biggest thing that I've learned in the last sort of even three months is grit is probably the one thing that separates normal and successful people because everyone can do what we're doing um, – Probably more – everyone can do what you're doing, but you keep doing it mm. and yeah. you don't let it wave. Yeah, yeah. I honestly cannot thank you enough um, for your time today. I've learned so much. I know that people have learned yeah. so much today. Well, I've
1: learned that you and I would have been amazing athletes. If in, only we had <laughs> you
0: back then. Jeez. This, you, I feel if they've, if we've solved one thing today, it's the sad point that there could have been another Gary Abel at yeah. Dustin Martin yeah. running around. Yeah. But – At least we're here for someone else. See, the good thing is there's a person listening now that might have been the next us. That's right. But now they're going to be the next Gary Ablett. So very exciting. Emma, just to finish, is there anything else? What are your goals? I'd love to know this because I feel like you've got some very cool things happening. Um, Is there anything that you're looking forward to for 2021? I know you're not big on setting news resolutions. This is why we're forming Habits again is there anything that you're really keen on doing or goals in the future that you want to work with, even like an athlete that you'd love to sit down with and you think that you could impact?
1: Yeah. You know, it sounds a bit lame, but I, um, you know, if you look at the athletes that I work with, it's because they've got some sort of story, you know, Will with his concussions, Scott blew up in, you know, lost the unlosable championship. You know, I love learning off other athletes. I love learning off people that are struggling. So, I never know what the year's going to bring me, who's going to contact me, who's going to reach out to me, um, but it's always someone exciting. Mm. Um, you know, and I let that stuff just come. come. And when it comes, I know that if um, I'm going to learn as much off them as they're going to learn off me. And oh, I'm so blessed. I just um, I get to work with incredible people who are in the arena doing the hard work can we remember that next time we scream at our television or we make a stupid comment these people are living it you think you got fear of failure you think you've got you know fear of other people's opinion they are living it and they're in the arena and I'm just so grateful that they choose me to share their journey with and I get to play a little part of their journey and we have a hell of a lot my husband thinks he's won the lottery he goes from you know, football to motorsports, yeah. cricket, yeah, <laughs> I'm helping my wife. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, so good. We don't leave the house for the weekend just watching one thing after another and he's got to be, you know, he'll he's supporting me all the way with that one. So, That's uh, so good. Yeah, no, I just hope that, um, you know, I am keep in a position where I can help others and keep learning off my son and his friends and, you know, we, we've got good kids coming through and... It's all good.
0: So cool. Um, you said you're blessed and, and grateful. I'm so much more blessed and grateful to have you in. As I said, I've learned so much, um, not just about sport but life. and um, Yeah, it's been incredible. So best of luck. I look forward to following your journey. Thank hope you. that we can remain friends and um, look forward to the next time.
1: All right, let's go meditate, hey?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if that wasn't enough for you and you want even more, you're in luck. Dylan Friends is now on Patreon. Dylan Best Friends. An exclusive loyalty subscription featuring the debrief podcast of each episode and bonus Q&A's from Patreon members like this. Do you have a favourite motto or quote that you like to to live by? something stick out to you?
1: Yeah, I was only sharing this with my daughter the other day. That's not my shit. I say it all the time. That's not my shit. That's their shit. That's not my shit. I'm not taking it on.
0: And there's plenty more where that came from. If you'd like to learn more, you can head to patreon.com forward slash Dylan Friends, or you can head to the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Dylan Friends Podcast. If you liked the show, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, leave a review or even share with your friends. The show is produced by myself and Sam Bonza. Damon Jackman from Creative Edge Films is responsible for audio and visual production. The show is recorded at the Dylan Friends Studio in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to get in touch or suggest a guest or advertise with the Dylan Friends Podcast, please email us at inquiries at dylanfriends.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. Easter. Four days of outdoor adventures, work in the garage or doing stuff around the home or even in the garden. You gotta love that. Bring on the jobs and pile them up. 101 long weekend jobs ready to tackle. You could be in the outdoors, putting your four-wheel drive to the test, tearing down an internal war or maybe putting a new one up, or even repurposing an old wine barrel for an outdoor table. Whatever the task over Easter, Trojan tools are up for the job. Trojan tools. Quality tools at DIY prices backed by a lifetime warranty. Available in store or online at Bunnings Warehouse. Trojan. Tools built tough.